Hello everybody, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Um, this is continuing our series on discussion of elderly cats and today we're going to talk about a condition called Cognitive Dysfunction Syndrome or CDS for short. As usual, if you'd like a copy of the slides that I'm using, please feel free to request them by email and uh, we'll send those to you, no problem. So what is CDS? It's a bit of a mouthful to say, so I probably will for most of this talk uh, just abbreviate it to those three letters. Well, the, I think the easiest way of thinking about this is that it is the cat equivalent of Alzheimer's disease. And there are indeed very many similarities in our current understanding and our current knowledge of both what causes uh, CDS in cats um, and also what it looks like under the microscope because at the moment uh, I think similar also to the situation in human medicine really to get a definitive diagnosis of this you actually need to look at the brain microscopically see I've just uh, yes gone quiet again sorry I just thought I might need to mute someone there um, so um, there are some similarities there are some differences though so they're not identical uh, conditions and Alzheimer's really should only be used to describe the situation in people so CDS is the cat equivalent and the sorts of um, current hypotheses for why this develops um, again overlap with our understanding of human medicine where um, age-related changes damage uh, essentially uh, caused in the brain contributes to uh, deterioration in mental function and that can be because of small bleeds within the brain also little blockages in blood vessels what we would call an infarct where blood flow is damaged or where blood flow is just not as good as it should be so we have what we call hypoxia a lack of oxygen and damage to the tissues that means that they just aren't working as effectively and under the microscope there are definitely some similarities in what we would see in a cat's brain and also a person's brain uh, if affected by these conditions. And indeed this, I've just uh, borrowed these images from a publication which I've referenced on this slide to show you some examples of on a scan, actually some of the changes that you can appreciate. So we've got uh, on the left hand side, a normal aged human and then below their scan, uh, that scan rather, we've got someone suffering from Alzheimer's disease. And you can see how um, the outer layer of the brain is much thinner and more crinkly um, would be my very non-technical uh, description there. And and some similarities in, in the cat and also the dog brains as well in terms of normal cats and normal dogs compared to those uh, affected by um, cognitive dysfunction. So there are some similarities in terms of the our understanding of how this condition arises um, and there are some similarities beyond that as well. Um, so the next similarity really would be that this is, um, as is the case with Alzheimer's in people, really? the older you get as a cat, the, the higher your risk of developing this condition is. So uh, it's oh, estimated okay. to affect uh, more than a quarter. Uh, sorry, just to see if... Uh, I need to mute anyone, just one sec. Um, so it's, um, 
is estimated to affect more than a quarter of uh, senior cats, that's cats aged between 11 and 14, and actually at least half of uh, super senior cats, these are cats, uh, cats aged 15 years and over. And I've included again this lovely chart from International Cat Care, which um, I think is, is really great for a number of reasons. One of those reasons being that as well as the cat age that you can see in that sort of middle column, on the right hand side, you can see a human equivalent age and and so you can see the sort of equivalent ages that we're talking about uh, in people for a 15 year old cat would be a 76 year old person. And of course, we know that um, cognitive changes are, are quite common in people of, of that sort of age as well. So what sort of clues of CDS might you be able to spot as a carer? Well, there is a, an acronym that's actually more frequently used in dogs uh, than in cats, but I have in, included it here in case it is helpful. Sometimes, you know, these little reminders uh, can be useful way of, of uh, thinking about conditions. So we have this acronym DISHA, D-I-S-H-A. Um, the D is for disorientation. So this would be the cat that feels a little bit uh, or behaves a bit like they're confused, they can't quite remember where is where is my litter box or where is the back door, uh, just not seeming quite as mentally agile um, as in previous years. Um, the I is for altered interactions and that's interactions not only with people in the household but also with other animals in the household and we'll talk a bit more about what those sort of changes might be as we go through altered sleep cycles as well so uh, often cats with uh, CDS will maybe more awake in the night having slept solidly all through the day not very convenient for, for our sleep patterns um, and they tend to sleep more so that might be something else that we pick up house soiling is the H um, so toileting accidents unfortunately uh, quite commonly associated with this problem and again probably link into forgetfulness in terms of uh, where the toilet facilities are and also perhaps not getting there in time therefore and having an accident um, and then the the last uh, letter the a altered activity um, restlessness um, uh, or uh, decreased activity changes in activity levels so changes in behavior essentially that you might see other signs often reported, particularly in cats, uh, would be changes to grooming behaviour um, and uh, often that is a reduction but not always. Um, also the cats may have altered um, reactions to uh, stimuli so they may appear to be either a bit jumpy, a bit irritable, a bit anxious or perhaps even less responsive, that can vary. Um, and increased vocalisation is very common so probably anyone who has had an older cat will have experienced this increased vocalization. The older cats tend to be more chatty but also have this uh, quite often this vocalizing at night which is um, not again not always very easy to live with um, and can be a manifestation of CDS but also of other conditions as well. It's not the only condition where we, we will see an increase in vocalization. This slide just shows some of the uh, possible frequencies that we might see some of these changes. And I say possible because actually this is really just uh, cumulative data from behavior referrals where people were seeking advice. So actually in this, uh, I think the, this, the um, data on this slide is from uh, people wanting uh, advice rather than necessarily taking their cat for a referral to a behaviorist, but gives you an indication of the frequency and the sort of common changes. And again, not all 
all of these actually will have had confirmed CDS because we need to rule out other causes. But it's very likely, given the age range of the cats reported here, that many of these cats did have cognitive dysfunction and therefore the, the house soiling, uh, the vocalisation, the wandering, all those other things that are listed here uh, were most likely a feature of that condition. And um, many of you listening uh, will have known that Vet Professionals does a number of surveys and we're, we're often, very often, I'm afraid, asking for your help in terms of answering some of the questions that, that we have and that collaborators of ours have about cats. And I would like to say, before I go any further, thank you so much to all of you who have contributed to our surveys. The data that we get is just so brilliant. Um, it really is such great quality. I'm currently um, going through the, the happy cats um, stress associated with the visit to a vet clinic data and it's just brilliant data that you've um, submitted for that so thank you for that um, but on this slide actually referencing an older survey was actually I think possibly the first survey that we put up on the vet professionals website and we wanted to look at behavior and health changes in older cats and uh, also to compare it to some data from uh, a very famous UK cat behaviourist called Vicky Halls, who uh, probably many of you also will, will have heard of or may know. And we wanted to look at what changes had happened over time. And I'm delighted to say that this was a really huge study and very difficult to write up, but actually it was published this month, so July 2020, and it's a free to access paper. So actually, I've put a screenshot here. Um, if you have any difficulty finding it online, feel free to email us and, and we can send you a copy. But it is open access to anyone. You don't need to subscribe to the journal. And it documents uh, in, in much greater detail than I will now the sorts of changes that uh, we've been able to document through these surveys. Um, the vet professionals one was up on the website for several years as you can see 2010 to 2015 and we had uh, almost a thousand owners uh, participate in this study and the, the data that uh, you have submitted is now reported in great detail in this paper um, so that may, may be of interest to you. And I just wanted to highlight some of the things that were found really to give you an idea of what's common in older cats. And whilst, you know, we don't, we didn't examine the cats uh, whose data was reported in this study, it was all came from um, owners uh, completing online surveys. So we can't really infer too much about the individual cat's health status, but we can say with some confidence um, how common changes are in older cats. And some of those changes will be due to cognitive dysfunction function. So for example, just looking at some of the some headline data, appetite, well appetite changes were reported, about a quarter of cats were eating less than when they were younger, all of the questions asked really the owners to compare, compared to when your cat was younger, how are things now, um, about a quarter eating less and a, a little bit uh, smaller number than that eating more, those are probably the hypothyroid cats and uh, cats with other diseases that can increase appetite but hypothyroidism would be a big contender. Um, probably not a surprise to hear that more often in terms of thirst changes was drinking more. Um, many cats with uh, thyroid problems, diabetes, um, kidney disease, all common old cat diseases will have an increase in thirst so that is probably reflecting that. 
time spent grooming this is where perhaps cognitive dysfunction may have uh, ha had an impact uh, a reduction in grooming was was most often so some cats were grooming a bit more uh, but 35 percent of cats you can see reported to be grooming less often which is often the case in cats with uh, cds sleeping more as well 70 percent of cats reported to be sleeping more um, a smaller number spending less time sleeping again those cats may well have had hypothyroidism that tends to make you more jittery and and uh, uh, more wakeful time spent outdoors well again this data is probably not going to really surprise you but many cats spending less time outdoors than they had in their in their youth and it was great to see, actually, again, it really reflects the fact that the, the people that participate in our surveys are really wonderful carers of cats because I was just absolutely thrilled to see that more than 80% of these older cats had access to a litter box. And that's in spite of the fact of many of these cats, because it's a UK based survey, in all likelihood having free access outdoors. Um, but brilliantly, they were being offered a litter box as an option, which I think is the kindest approach. Um, but in spite of that, actually, toileting accidents quite common. And again, that probably fits with uh, cognitive dysfunction as a, as a sort of number one contender. Social interactions, well, this does vary. So uh, just under 20% were recorded as being more intolerant, so less interactive, a bit more withdrawn, uh, whereas 13% seemed to be more sociable as they'd got older. Um, and social interactions with people, more often actually the cats were reported to be more affectionate, a bit more, more clingy, so 35% in, in that category. Um, increased vocalization, very common, so we've already mentioned that. Uh, and nighttime vocalization increased in nearly half of the cats, so that was a really common finding. And we'll come back to nighttime vocalization because it can be so challenging to live with as a carer, um, and there are some strategies that can help with that, so I will come back to that towards the end. So thanks to your participation in, in the research that we do, and thanks to um, Vicky Hall's uh, research as well, we do know that it is very common as cats get older that they do often develop uh, behavioural uh, or their behaviour changes and their lifestyle changes. And of course, as carers, what we want to do is just make sure that we're there to support any changes that need or would benefit from our support. And so really a message more for, for my veterinary colleagues and my, my nursing colleagues would be that we do want to pay more attention to behaviour in our older pets and not just ignore things and put it down to old age and not really investigate any more than that. We want to really keep tabs on what's happening and make sure that we are there to step in and support and help cats uh, where that uh, looks like it would be helpful. I may have shown you this uh, screenshots of my questionnaire before, but if, if not, um, this is a resource that I often mention to my veterinary and vet nursing colleagues as a questionnaire that I've developed over the years to really remind me what I need to discuss with carers when I see them with their cat. Um, and this is freely uh, accessible on the website in the free download section in the vet part of the cat articles. Um, and it's called Health Questionnaire and 
checklist for elderly cats and uh, it includes uh, a reminder of what sort of health changes to look for um, in all cats actually so changes in appetite changes in breathing uh, all sorts of things there but also the what's in the mobility section on the right hand side maybe a little bit small for you to read on this screen but you will be able to read it properly if you download it um, are questions that often actually come down to behavior and lifestyle and whilst that's very useful as we talked about in a previous session in finding cats that have perhaps signs of chronic pain due to osteoarthritis it's also useful for finding cats that perhaps are struggling with cognitive problems as well so for example if the cat is grumpy or withdrawn has altered relationships um, that's also included in that questionnaire as well so if we're concerned about this as a carer, and uh, I would encourage you if you are concerned to definitely speak with your vet about it, uh, what next steps are likely to be discussed with you? Well, firstly, of course, uh, as always, your vet would want to examine your cat and look for clues of any illness that might explain uh, whatever you've brought in as a concern and uh, cognitive dysfunction is a diagnosis of exclusion we need to really rule out everything else um, but also there are lots of things that can have overlapping clinical signs so for example nighttime vocalization um, cognitive dysfunction is one possibility hypothyroidism and high blood pressure are other possibilities so important to have that vet exam to look for other clues for example in a cat with hypothyroidism uh, there may be an enlarged thyroid which can be felt um, a goiter is is an enlarged thyroid which we can feel just by feeling the cat's neck uh, there may be a fast heart rate a heart murmur uh, what we call a gallop rhythm as well listening to the heart all these little clues and so the veterinary examination is undoubtedly very very helpful and very important in addition to looking for those clues of other diseases we might see that a cat with cognitive dysfunction may be a bit anxious or a bit grumpy a bit irritable um, but again there are other things that can affect that as well for cats in pain because of arthritis it's likely to be grumpy so we need to have a good look at the cats um, and as I've mentioned there isn't really a way of, of diagnosing or confirming absolutely with certainty that a cat has CDS um, unless we uh, unfortunately look at their brain which we can't do anti-mortem we can't do before death so clearly it's not on our diagnostic uh, repertoire but instead we rule out the, uh, other things as best as we can uh, in, in individual circumstances um, and come to a conclusion that it's likely to be present and again the older the cat the more likely they are to have some evidence of CDS even if it's not their only problem. So this is just another really listy slide of some of the other conditions that we need to consider and it really depends a bit what uh, behavioural change your cat is showing as to which of these might be a possibility. So for example, and apologies for putting in lots, lots of little acronyms here as well, um, but LUTD is lower urinary tract disease. A cat that's having toileting accidents involving urine, it's really important to check, obviously, for things like cystitis, which is uh, inflammation of the bladder, a, one of the uh, um, diagnoses that would fall under that lower urinary tract disease bracket. So that would be one example why that's there. Behavioural changes may be because, <clears throat> excuse me, of 
infections affecting uh, the brain and CNS central nervous system brain tumors also are quite common in older cats and often very slowly progressive as well um, chronic pain I've already mentioned um, osteoarthritis that's the OA acronym can be a cause of grumpiness and the cat being more withdrawn and having altered relationships more time sleeping so it does really depend on the individual as to perhaps which of the this long list uh, and they're actually more things that I've not included on this list uh, that we might need to consider as a vet and that will depend a little bit on your cats and their situation. So potentially quite a long what I would call a shopping list of things that as a clinician I would want to do to really try and do the best for any patient uh, with these sorts of uh, problems reported. I want to obviously have the full history from you so what exactly have you seen and what clues can we gather of, of uh, any other concurrent uh, illnesses that the cat may be suffering from. When I examine the cat I definitely am going to want to assess blood pressure because uh, we know that high blood pressure is common also that it's treatable so it's one of those good things if you like to find in an older cat um, and there's a whole series of um cat cafe uh, presentations on hypertension uh, which i think were recorded in may but you can see them on the website if you weren't able to attend those Mobility assessment relevant to osteoarthritis, uh, which I think we talked about last week. Feeling for that thyroid, which is what I'm doing in that top photo, feeling, uh, feeling the neck very carefully for an enlarged uh, thyroid. Uh, listening to the heart for those clues of hypothyroidism like that fast heart rate the heart murmur gallop rhythm um etc etc so that would be my, my clinical checklist and then from a, a next steps ideally if possible i would want to do certainly some blood and urine tests to again rule out possibilities like hypothyroidism also some urinary infections in cats and in people can affect your brain function. Um, you will sometimes have uh, signs of confusion and dementia, particularly with some E. coli infections and not always associated with lower urinary tract signs. So even if the cat's not got obvious signs of cystitis, uh, I would always like to do a urine culture, if, particularly if the signs of, of dementia have been quite subtle and in onset you know quite a recent uh, and uh, new and severe finding infectious disease testing that's the serology side of things felv feline leukemia virus fiv feline immunodeficiency virus um, and uh, uh, fip feline infectious peritonitis these are all things which i think uh, don't necessarily need to be tested in every case but it very much depends on the other clues that are present and that might be the sort of thing that's mentioned to you depending on your individual cat's situation for example fiv might be relevant if your cat has been a, a stray that has been in lots and lots of fights before they were neutered um, and perhaps has had a history of, of abscesses and other infections, then that could have a relevance on their, their brain function as well if that subsequently deteriorates. And then beyond that, there, there are a whole host of other investigations that again might be needed so definitely not all of these in fact often none of these but included for completeness really depending on where the, the evidence is sitting really um, might be an, uh, an indication to do uh, for example if uh, neurological uh, findings are um, 
asymmetrical, so bad on one side and not bad on the other side, that might point to a brain tumour or a brain lesion and imaging the brain uh, using CT or MRI scanning uh, might be helpful. Um, but it really does depend on the individual as to which of these uh, might be needed. CSF, uh, sorry again for the acronyms, is cerebrospinal fluid. So once we've made a diagnosis, which as I've said is generally to look at the age of the cat, how, how it has presented in terms of the behavioural changes and having ruled out, really important to rule out all the treatable things that we can sort out, having done that to the best of our abilities. Um, if we are left with a, a clinical diagnosis of CDS, then we move into management. And often actually uh, many cats with CDS, because they're older, they do tend to have other issues as well. So hence mentioning comorbidities, other illnesses. So often the cat may have some arthritis or, or they may have some kidney disease as well. And so we're trying to manage often quite a complicated and moving situation, but important to remember uh, from my perspective as a clinician to remember all of the cats different problems so that we hopefully do the best job in terms of, of providing a plan or recommending a plan that will, will hopefully help them. In terms of CDS itself, it, it probably won't come as a surprise to hear that firstly we don't have a treatment, a cure for this at the moment in cats and that it will get worse with time and the rate of progression is quite variable which again probably just reflects the fact that we, do, we don't at this stage know as much about this and what causes it as we would like. But there are lots of things that we can do to improve quality of life and those broadly fit into the categories of environmental enrichment, uh, nutritional support and supplements where there is also a little bit of data to support and for some cases perhaps some medical support as well. So that's what we'll finish off by going through. In terms of environmental enrichment, um, the ideal really is for all of our cats to have an enriched, uh, fun environment uh, that's stress-free to live in. Um, and the equivalent of ourselves doing Sudoku and, and crosswords is to really keep our cats' mental agility active into their older life by encouraging play and encouraging activity uh, with them and starting that when they're young so that it's not doesn't come as a sudden shock to do it when they're older, but basically having life as exciting as possible. So examples of, of ways to do this um, will vary a bit according to your household setup and whether your cats go outside, for example. A lot of cats that are allowed access outside, that of course is an amazingly enriched world typically for them to go into. But if they're inside, having windowsills that are low and easy for the cat to still look outside and see, have all that uh, interaction there um, can be one way of, of providing a more enriched environment. Um, from a food perspective, I put just one example of what uh, we often call puzzle feeders. So this is a, a sort of a simulated mouse that you can put dry bits of cat food into if your cat likes dry food or dry treats. And then they have to play with the mouse um, to knock the food out of it. That's the Doc and Phoebe system, uh, which I think is quite popular, but there are a lot of other options as well. Uh, and indeed, you can do lots of homemade options as well in terms of uh, sticking, sticking together um, uh, used uh, cardboard loo rolls, for example, in, into, into a pyramid and having little treats and things to, to fish out of there. 
it's important to make sure that the environment does provide all of the cat's needs. So it, it has uh, um, certain key resources, which I put on this slide, that it needs to have accessible to it. So if it has uh, difficult mobility or uh, dementia that might affect remembering where things are, then it's making sure that these things are all freely accessible in whatever environment the cat frequents. And your older cat that does suffer from dementia might have quite a small world that it is using by then. So you just need to make sure they've got access to all the things that they need, that they feel safe um, and uh, stimulated as long as that's not a negative for, uh, thing for them. So having uh, some time with you, having some play, etc. So if your cat likes catnip, um, the catnip toys can be quite helpful. Again, the little puzzle feeders, all these sorts of things can, can be helpful. And I've mentioned in a previous discussion about house soiling and uh, toileting accidents, uh, what is considered optimum for toileting facilities for cats. But just a reminder here that obviously with our elderly cat that perhaps has a poor memory, perhaps is, has lost lost some of their learnt behaviour so therefore might not be as inclined to use a litter box just try and make it as close to what a cat would choose as their ideal as possible and uh, our current knowledge suggests that cats tend to prefer a fine sandy consistency of cat litter and a clumping litter is good because it means we can see what's been passed and we can keep it clean very easily as well so just some reminders here on that uh, ideal toilet facility what that might involve if your cat is very badly affected um, with their uh, cognitive function and really struggling, um, then they might find life very challenging. And in that situation, one thing that can help is to even just contract their world a little bit more. So perhaps if there is a quiet room in your home uh, where particularly when you're not there to, to be of some reassurance to your cat, if you, if you have to go to work, for example, the cat can have maybe a spare room or a quiet room where everything that it needs is visible um, so it doesn't again have to think where is the toilet it can literally just look around oh yes it's there and there's my food bowl um, and that can that can help in terms of reassuring the cat that is particularly anxious um, the Feliway Classic Diffuser, which is the synthetic facial pheromone diffuser, um, helps to provide some reassurance as well. So the cats will, the, the, the chemical signaling um, that that achieves will help your cat to feel more reassured. Uh, some behaviorists also are fans of a product called Pet Remedy, which I included a picture here as well. Um, this contains uh, various... Um, I think herbs and essential oils, valerian is, is certainly in there. And there's some data to show that that um, is, is quite helpful in terms of sleep in some species. Um, I think there is more data in people and dogs than there is in cats, um, but it might be something that is worth a try just in terms of, again, providing that reassuring environment. And there are also some nutritional supplements that you may have come across um, that do have some impact on um, anti-anxiety uh, impact so they're not drugs they can, they you can get them without any sort of prescription and they are completely safe but they do actually uh, interact uh, with some of the receptors like the GABA receptor that um, again can help you you feel sort of relaxed and calm and they have been reported to have some impacts in some studies in cats as well so alpha casosapine is a, a milk hydrolysate a milk protein um, and zilkine would be one of the brands that 
is, is available for that. Also, Royal Canin do a, a diet called CALM, which has L-tryptophan in, so that uh, might be another way of administering it. Um, L-theanine is another supplement that you, you can, all of these are pretty freely accessible. What about diet and cognitive dysfunction? Um, well, there has been a lot of interest in diet and actually several of the pet food companies have done studies more in dogs than in cats but um, in, in terms of cats actually Purina the company has probably done the most research looking at the impact of diet on cognitive function and I think the bottom line as I've put in this box on the right is that actually there is some evidence uh, particularly strong in dogs but I think also some evidence in cats that a high quality diet that has plenty of antioxidants in it actually is beneficial for our pets and it's beneficial to their brain function but also likely supports their joint function and general health in other ways so probably in terms of general advice i would say just use as high a quality a diet as you feel able to provide for for your cat um, a senior diet is likely to be more supplemented in these sort of antioxidants and substances the, the fatty acids etc that i've included in here that have all been looked at and whilst um, there is not really strong evidence of their benefit in cats there is some evidence of benefit um, and this is probably an area that is going to to continue to develop in the future and some of these papers actually on on this slide uh, in the, the brackets there these are studies that I think they're all of the ones here I think are Purina funded studies so it is definitely an area of interest for pet food companies to provide more support you can get separate supplements that are very much the same sorts of things but provided as a capsule um, and uh, there's not so much uh, actual research that's been done on these supplements in cats again more has been done in dogs and some of them have definitely been shown to be uh, of some benefit to dog uh, cognitive function um, but just one uh, bottom line message here is just not to use the dog products in a cat not that you probably ever would think of doing so but there is uh, one of the substances often used in the dog products is something called alpha lipoic acid and that actually is toxic to cats so just uh, don't uh, if someone gives you their dog products uh, yeah don't use it in your cat Beyond that, there aren't any authorised medications for CDS in cats. There are some that have been authorised in dogs um, and there are some that have been used in dogs, um, but uh, not a lot. Of, well, there's really no data for cats. And to be honest, I've not used any of these in cats, but there are some products that have been mentioned. And I've just put some of the, uh, the active ingredient names there in case that's of interest to you. But um, my approach really has been primarily to focus on the environment, uh, behavioural support um, for specific support of individual cats beyond that if anxiety is a feature but I, I have not used uh, some of these other products that, that are licensed for dogs or, or for people. So finally, just wanted to mention the nighttime vocalisation because um, anyone who's had a cat yowling in the middle of the night will know this is can be very challenging to deal with and uh, it can actually be quite distressing as well. The, the cats uh, affected by this will um, potentially wake you up with this very distressed sounding yowling in the night um, and uh, probably most of us when that happens, we're, we're so well trained by our cats that we'll leap out of bed to, to minister to whatever 
need we think they might have and often they don't really need anything um, but this is uh, one of the potential symptoms that can be seen uh, with cognitive dysfunction and as time goes on it actually can be really difficult for uh, carers to live with and completely exhausting so if any of you have had to live live with a cat with this severe nighttime vocalization you will definitely know what I'm talking about um, this is a chart from actually the Vicky Hall's data uh, which uh, was part of the data reported in the paper I mentioned at the very start and it just shows um, on the um, y-axis the up axis is the number of cats or the proportion of cats that were uh, vocalizing at night and then we've got it uh, by age group so you can see there is a there are quite a lot of cats at zero age which were vocalizing at night these are basically the cats that have always vocalized at night it didn't change at all through their through their life as far as this survey was concerned it just was always something that they had done so some cats just are are very chatty but what you can see with the other bars here is that as the cats get older typically we're looking at 10 11 12 you know there is a big increase um, in the ones that then start to vocalize at night um, and it only really drops off because there are fewer numbers of uh, cats in the very elderly age brackets so it's certainly very common and uh, I think as I mentioned this study most recently studied the 45% uh, of cats were uh, vocalizing more at night the older cats so before we assume it's cognitive dysfunction as vets we definitely need to rule out other possible causes of it so this is just a reminder of those I think one I didn't mention was deafness but that uh, can be another reason of, of uh, shouting if you like in the middle of the night um, but checking blood pressure checking for hypothyroidism both strongly recommended because those are treatable causes of nighttime vocalization uh, but if we've managed to rule all those things out um, then what more can we do and um, the Current recommendations would include firstly trying to have, you know, if you can, uh, wear your cat out a little bit in the daytime. So encouraging interaction in the daytime. I don't mean really disturbing your cat or distressing your cat, but just if there is any way you can sort of tweak or encourage their sleep wake cycle so they're a bit more active in the day, that's probably a good thing. Um, but the other advice, which is really geared towards protecting the carer and ensuring that the carer can get their sleep and therefore be the best carer that they can possibly be, is to have a separate cat room for bedtime and create a bedtime routine for, for the uh, cat that is vocalizing at night. Um, and this is something that um, involves uh, creating a zone where the cat has all its resources so this might be again something that the, the room that the cat goes into in the daytime when you're not there if they are particularly severely affected and you think they might be distressed when you're not at home all of the resources are available you've got your felly way and your pet remedy uh, plugged in so it's hopefully as calm and reassuring an environment as possible and then what changes is that when you go to bed you take your cat to the, this room and perhaps give them a, a little uh, night cap equivalent so a little treat of some sort of description uh, the equivalent of, of that that sort of treat and their bedtime story bedtime cuddle if you like um, and then you leave them in that room you shut the door and the most important thing is you do not open that door until the morning so of course if you are suffering at the moment with a cat that is waking up in the night uh, vocalizing that last bit might 
be very difficult and uh, some people really don't feel that they can go through with this because they feel cruel to the cat um, so that's something you have to reconcile with yourself what I would say is I think you need to look after yourself and if you're caring for a cat and it really is destroying your sleep you can't be a good carer to your cat you need to look after yourself so where I have had to deal with this situation uh, I have suggested that perhaps if there is a, if there are two people in the house or more um, then the person that is perhaps least uh, bonded to the cat or sleeps the deepest um, perhaps is the person who manages this sorry I think one on mute. let me just sort that out sorry so the, the person who is least bonded to the cat or, or um, sleeps the deepest um, does this and perhaps the other person who is worrying about it spends uh, a night or two with a friend or relative because usually what happens is actually um, even cats with quite severe cognitive impairment uh, will actually learn very quickly oh when the door is shut the door is shut and uh, when it opens I can come out but uh, I'm just in my zone now I'm in my bubble and uh, so within a night or two often uh, the cat stops the loud vocalizing at night night and uh, and you can get your sleep and the cat is fine and it's I don't think it's a cruel thing to do I think it is a way of protecting yourself but I understand it can be actually difficult to do particularly that first night so I hope that's of uh, some help. Um, I think the challenges with cognitive dysfunction in cats are awareness of it as, uh, as something that exists, not ignoring behavioral changes in older cats, because also there are, whilst we can do some things for cats with cognitive dysfunction, we can do even more if we diagnose some of these other treatable conditions. So I think always speak to your vet clinic if you see a change in your cat um, and take their advice, uh, because there may well be plenty of things that you can do to support your cat and, and help it uh, in its elderly years um, and even if it if it, the diagnosis is cognitive dysfunction alone I still think we can do a lot to really provide reassurance and and uh, improve quality of life in severely affected cats so there are as usual some resources on the website um, that just a reminder of where to find those um, the elderly cat book was um, co-written with Vicky Halls the behaviorist I mentioned so there's a lot of behavior in this book and a lot about care of healthy elderly cats as well as information on uh, diseases and behavioral issues as, as cats get older as well so um, you may find that a useful resource and next week we have the final um, session in our uh, senior cat series which is about preventative health care of older cats uh, what's recommended and why so I think it's the final piece of that jigsaw puzzle in terms of providing optimal care my my suggestions and recommendations for how to achieve that so I hope you'll be able to join me for that session um, but thank you again for, for listening to today's session and I will be delighted to um, answer any questions or hear any comments that you have um, thank you very very much <laughs>